All right, we don't need it. All right, so everybody read it? If you didn't read it, don't answer my questions, but if you did, you probably already know that it's talking about it's talking about things that are neither commanded nor forbidden. So, well, give me some examples. The chapter here is speaking specifically of food, and I'll tell you, I'll explain how that, why it's food, what kind of food, food, the moderate drinking of wine, and keeping the feast days, the holy days, those kind of things. So, what are some other things that you can think of that are neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture? Okay, not everybody wants now. You gotta take your time. We got. Okay, that's right. To, uh, to things that are not commanded or forbidden. Tattoos and piercings. Somebody else said. Men with long hair. Drinking, drinking and smoking. Well, it talks about wine right here, but. Before we even get into that, you just need to we need to make sure we understand that the Bible does condemn drunkenness. Okay, so before we go, before we even start about wine, it does to condemn drunkenness. So the context you've got to before we even read the chapter, we gotta make sure we understand this is the 14th chapter of a letter that Paul wrote. And when he wrote this page, to say if, if Romans was 16 pages long when he sent the letter, he didn't just forget all about the first 13 chapters before he, as he started writing this one. You've got to remember it's salvation and justification. Believers are justified in Christ. You remember all that? We talked about eternal security and nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So you've got to keep all that in mind. So when he talks about somebody who is weak in faith here, he's not saying that they're just not a good Christian or they're not a, they're a real weak Christian or they're not, as, they're not as saved as the other person or maybe they're just not as, you know, not as whatever. You need to understand a weak person. He talks about a weak Christian, a strong Christian. Let me just read the first four verses so those of y'all who hadn't read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. But, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs, which is vegetables. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him with, which eateth, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, what you need to understand is if, if I'm writing a letter to the Romans, Roman church in the first century, what you're going to be writing to is two different kind of people. You're going to be writing to converted Jews, which are, you know, converted to Christ, or you're going to be writing to converted pagans that, you know, worship Zeus and all that other, you know, that stuff. You know what I mean? Everybody got me? You understand? So if I'm a converted Jew, what kind of foods do I think are sinful to eat? Pork, cloven hoof, 
shellfish, all those food laws, you know. I, I can't eat those because I'm Jewish, right? Now, Paul is saying to us that, you know, of course, we know that now we can eat all those things. Christ told Peter in a vision, he said, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And we know that, that you know, those things don't apply to, to us. But let's say that I'm a Jewish person and I've all, that's all I've ever known. I grew up. You know, telling, being told that these things are evil, that you cannot eat these things, you cannot touch these things, you cannot cook. You know, can you imagine that you would bring that baggage into Christianity with you? You understand? See what I mean? See what I mean? So, Paul is saying, look, a person who is weak in faith is not a person who is just like, well, I'm just not a very good Christian and I just don't know what I'm doing. But a person who is weak in faith, according to this chapter, is someone who hasn't completely understood or comprehended the freedom that they have in Christ. Okay? The person who is weak is the person that hasn't completely comprehended the freedom that he has in Christ. It would be a Jewish person. You know, I know that Christ is the only payment. It's not in reference to salvation. It's not in... This person doesn't think that not eating certain foods is going to get me to heaven. They know that Jesus is the only way. They're Christians. Okay? But there's just something in the back of my mind when I go to eat that pork chop. You know, it's just like... All my life I've been told that was evil, you know, and it's just something in me that's like, eh, you know, they just hadn't understood. Hadn't understood. Now, on the flip side, you've got the pagans, the just Greeks, and they would worship, you know, they worship all kind of gods and all kind of different temples and stuff like that. Well, what would happen is in order to buy the cheapest meat in the market, you would go and they would take the meat and they would sacrifice the animal to at the altar of, you know, Athena or who, whoever, whatever god that they were worshiping. And then they would take the meat from the, from, the, from the bull or the pig or the whatever it was and they would sell it in the marketplace. And so if you were a pagan who had been converted to Christianity, you would know that when you go to the marketplace, you better be careful which meat you buy because this meat might have been, you know, sacrificed to Zeus and this meat, you know, the cheapest and easiest meat for you to buy would be meat that's sacrificed to idols, meat that had been used in a ceremony. And for a pagan person, you, you would, that had been converted to Christianity, you would probably not want that meat because you're, you're saying, you know, you would say, I got to abstain from that because that's been used in sacrilegious rituals. That's been used in pagan, pagan practices. Now over in first Corinthians seven, I think it is Paul talks about how we know that an idol's just nothing. So it's, you know, you can eat meat if you want to eat meat and it's not going to really hurt you. It doesn't matter if it's been sacrificed to Zeus or Athena or to this chalkboard or to the tree outside or, you know, there's no such thing as Zeus or Athena. So it's not really hurting the meat. So we know that. But if you were a pagan person who had been brought up in these religious things, can you see the baggage that you would bring with you that you'd be like, you know, I know that I'm free to do that kind of stuff, but there's just something inside of me that says it's, it's just wrong. Okay, well, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about eating and drinking and holy days and the things in this chapter, we're talking about things that are neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture, 
But we're talking about their matters of conscience. They're like gray areas. There's a lot of principles that go with these things. Verse 1, it says that it seems like he's talking to the strong believer, doesn't he? Because he says, him that is weak in the faith, he wants you to receive him. Okay? So he's saying, look, if, if I believe, if I, if I haven't fully understood that, yes, I am free to eat pork, okay, in Christ. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know what, it's just a sin for me to eat pigs. It's a sin for me to eat swine. It's a sin for me to eat pork. He's telling the people who understand, like all of us over here who know that, you know, no, it's okay to eat pork now. He's telling us we should receive the brother as one of us because that's his conscience telling him, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't grown in that conscience yet. Now, we can all be weak. The weakness is not like, oh, Jessica is a weak Christian and Will is a strong Christian. No, we all have areas where we're strong. We all have areas where we're weak. So it's not saying like you got this one section of Christians over here that's all weak and you got this one. All of us in one area or another are weak in some places when it comes to Christian freedom and stronger in some places. So don't think of yourself like, well, I'm, a, I'm the strong one because I think it's okay to do everything, you know. And when you do that, you've gone too far. You've gone too far with what the chapter is trying to say. There's two things that we don't want to, we want to avoid. We want to stay in the middle. One is called legalism. You know what legalism is? Anybody? It's when keeping rules makes me safe. Keeping rules gets me to heaven. Okay? I'm holier than you because I keep all the rules. And then the other one is license. I'm free to do whatever I want to do, so it don't make me no it don't make no difference. I can just rock right on. Okay? So <clears throat> you stay in between, stay in between the ditches there. So he's saying you accept each other. Basically, that's the whole chapter is just kind of repeating itself over and over again. It says it's talking about meat right there, and in verse five it says, One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. So if you come from a Jewish background, of course, today is the feast day. You know, it's the Feast of Tabernacles or it's Pentecost or it's Yom Kippur or it's, you know, all these feast days. And, and if you don't keep these feasts, you're not a good, you can't be a very good Christian because this is where Christianity came from. See what I mean? And then the pagan is like, man, every day's every day's God's day for me. You know, I don't, you know, I don't really, they don't let me off work to celebrate your holiday. You know what I mean? So every, every day is holiday to me. And it says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. It's saying, look, if you think, if your conscience dictates to you that you should keep this feast holy or this festival holy or this day holy, you know, then, you know, do it. It's fine with you know you know it's like the Sabbath it's it's really Saturday in Jewish it's the Jewish Sabbath is Saturday but the early Christians started keeping the Sabbath on Sunday in honor of the resurrection of Christ so you know technically if you were a Jewish guy sitting on the back row over here you could be saying like y'all meeting on the wrong day it says keep the Sabbath day holy any y'all working on Saturday or sinning you see what I mean and then you got some Christians that won't even cut their yard on Sunday. You know, or, you know, you won't pick up the, can't, don't do anything on Sunday. That's right. You don't do no work. You don't do no, you know. And I mean, that means, I mean, the, the Jews had laws like 
you can't wash, you can only wash up to your wrists or something, you know, like, because if you start, if you wash any higher, that's considered work, you know, it's like, it's just all kind of things like that. So I'm saying, like, you could, you could get down to, I, I, you, driving a car is like work, you know? And so, I mean, you could get to where you just could not do anything. And some people like that, you know? Some people like that. Yeah, we've right. Right. I don't know about that, but what I know is God said Jesus said don't call unclean what I've made clean. So there's not any any food regulations that we have to abide by anymore. That is part of that's part of what the New Testament tells us, Acts chapter 10. Okay, so he says food first, and then now we're talking about holy days in verse 5. He says, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He says, as long as you're doing it for the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. You see the pattern? Whether you do or whether you don't. You do it unto the Lord. You give God thanks. I give God thanks that, you know, that I'm free from eating pork. And I give God thanks when I do eat pork. And I do give God thanks when I eat pork. For whether we live, verse 8, verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die... We are the Lord's. And then look, this explains it. Verse 9. For to this end, what end? Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It's for this reason Christ both died and rose and revived or was raised again. That he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So he's saying, look, Christ, it was for this reason to make you the Lord's that Christ died. So it's not about eating, what you eat, what you don't eat. It's not about what you drink or what you don't drink. It's not about what holy days that you observe or what rituals that you do. It's not about that. It's about being the Lord. So if your conscience, if if your conscience tells you that I I think I just have this conscious awareness that X is a sin, then X is a sin for you. You understand? It is, but it, you're right, and that's absolutely right, and no buts about it. But you can see how he's saying the kingdom of God. He's going to say this here in a minute. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's it's yeah, it's being being a new creature, and so you whether you it's talking to two different people like me and Dana. I'm a weak believer in this area, X area. Dana's a strong believer in this area. What it's saying is, we do not receive each other, verse 1, into doubtful disputations, into matters of opinion. I'm not going to take Dana into the church saying, look, I'm going to straighten you out. I don't go against Dana's conscience, and Dana doesn't go against mine. She doesn't, over and over, it uses two different things. The, The weak believer, the one who thinks... 
Let me just use let me just use something we'll all relate to. Like drinking wine at dinner, okay? Don't even try to go talking about drunkenness, okay? Because once once you start talking about drunkenness, that's a sin. Okay? But if if it's gonna talk about wine here at the end of this chapter too, so I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. If if I think it's a sin for Dana to drink wine at supper, then it says here because it's not there's no absolute command in scripture that says verse you know 14 of chapter whatever tells me that I'm not to judge Dana who does think it's okay see what I mean but in the same token if Dana thinks it's okay and she knows that I don't think it's okay she is not to flaunt her freedom in front of me so that I sin does that make sense uh, y'all not with me. Right. There's two ways to love. The weak believer, me, who says, man, it's sinful, and they just don't understand. You know what? I'm right. It is sinful. Okay? You hear me? You hear what I'm saying? For to have, if I am the weak, if I am the person who my conscience is telling me it's wrong and sinful and awful for me to have a glass of wine at dinner, then guess what? It is wrong. It is sinful. And it is awful. Right? But there's no clear command in Scripture. And Paul tells us, he's going to tell us here in just a minute. So if Dana is another believer, and she, you know, I don't know if you, like I'm Italian. Like everybody drinks wine at dinner. You know, my whole my whole family, whole extended family. Italians drink wine with everything. Yeah, we need that song. <laughs> hey, everybody. No. But so, and, and deeply religious, deep, you know, Catholics, you know, they do the whole thing. So I'm to receive them understanding that I'm not to impose my judgmental whatever on them. It's going to say not judge here in just a second. But that's how I love. In the same way, let's reverse the roles and let's say I'm the one who says, okay, it's cool to have wine with dinner. But I look over here and I see Dana who said, who knows she can't have wine at dinner. Now, if I just go on and rock on and say, whatever, I can do whatever I want because I'm free in Christ. Guess what I just did? You just sin. See what I mean? So think about it this way. Being free in Christ is not the same as exercising your freedom in Christ. Does that make sense? See, look what it says. Let's read. We're in, we're in chapter 14 of Romans. And um, let's just go down to verse 19 because that's where it sums everything up. And I think that might clear up a lot of the things that we've been talking about. It says, here's the point. It says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. It's talking about believers now. And things wherewith one may edify another. Okay? It says, for meat destroy not... Wait a minute. Okay, sorry. Go up to 14. Let's start there. That way we'll get the whole context. Paul says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there, there is nothing unclean in itself. But to him that esteem anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. You understand? So listen. If I, if I, my conscience tells me that getting a big bozo to clown tattoo on my chest 
is a sin. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, well, is it a sin, is it not a sin, or whatever, whatever. If my conscience tells me, that little voice inside says it's a sin, then yes, sir, it is a sin for you. You understand? If there's any doubt, then there's no doubt. That's what I always say. If it's a sin for me to get a big, I mean, if I, my conscience tells me it's a sin to get a big nose ring, you know, with little trinkets hanging off of it, or whatever, it is a sin. If I'm sitting at the dinner table and they bring me some wine and the voice inside me says, hey, that's a sin. It's a sin. It is a sin. When you violate your conscience, you are sinning against God. Even though there's no direct command that says, do not get a ring in your nose with little trinkets on it. You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, there's a hundred things that you could do that that are not commanded or forbidden in Scripture. But if your conscience tells you it's a sin, then for you it is a sin. You understand? Now look at this, verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, talking about with what you eat, or in this case it could be anything. He says, now walkest thou not charitably. It says, destroy not him, talking about the weak brother, with your meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be spoken evil of. What he's saying is there, if I'm sitting at the table and my conscience knows that it's okay for me to have a glass of wine with, and we're not talking about drunkenness, I'm not talking about partying, I'm talking about all that. My conscience knows that the kingdom of God is not me to drink or anything. And my conscience knows that it's okay for me to have a glass of wine at supper. You need to make sure that you understand that if somebody across the restaurant sees you with a glass of wine and it causes them to go off and sin because of what you're doing, you know, think of it this way. I'm in the restaurant, I'm drinking a glass of wine, one of the youth is over in the corner, right? Jason, if he's going to heaven, I know, I mean, if anybody's going to heaven, he's going to heaven, he's over there drinking wine, so it's okay for me, I'm going to drink some wine. He drinks some wine, and he just gets blitzed and just does all kind of stupid stuff. Guess what? Without even knowing, I have sinned against my brother, and I've sinned against God. Even though I am free, technically, to drink a glass of wine if I want one. Does that make sense? So if I, if I exercise my freedom in Christ and it causes another one to stumble, then your freedom in Christ has just, you just sinned. Okay? I remember riding with a guy. This guy had, I know now that he didn't convert to Christ, but at the time he said he did and I was just, you know, just being... You know, just trying to be the, you know, discipler, mentor, helping him through the first couple of days, you know, that kind of deal. We were riding in Jackson, and, and you know, he said, a lot of things in my life going to have changed. And I was like, yeah, God's going to work all that out. He said, but I, I, th- I still think it's okay for me to just go drink beer all the time. You know, like, he was like talking about drunkenness, and, you know, he was talking about like the deal. And I was like, well, you know, I'm trying not to be like a, shut up, you stupid, you know. But I'm saying, well, really, I don't have no verse that tells me that you ain't supposed to. So God will probably work that out in you. I said, but I do know that if, 
anybody in your circle knows you're a Christian now and you go and do that and it, it, it affects them, your testimony, the way that you live, what you do, if it, if, it, if it causes them to stumble in such a way as that, then then yes, sir, it is a sin. And I don't have to have a verse that says, thou shalt not do this. Because if it causes, you know, you can do that with anything. You can do it with gambling. Is it a sin for me to go buy a lottery ticket? I mean... Uh, I don't have a verse to give you that says thou shalt not. You're helping people in school. <laughs> but if Jennifer's in line behind me, if Jennifer's in line behind me and she knows that I'm a Christian, and she pl- and and she in her mind, her conscience tells her, no, it's not okay to play the lottery. I've just sinned by buying a lottery ticket, even though I'm free to buy a lottery ticket if I want to. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of confusing. You can look at it another way, too, that if that person is not contributing to the house of God, but they're contributing to that lottery, they're already robbed from God as well. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You, There's lots of things. That's why it's so important... The, per, the, the fundamental lesson of this chapter, Paul has already told us all the theology of Christ. He's already told us saved and lost and eternally secure and all this. He's closing up the letter now. He's closing, he's coming to the end and he's saying, look, you guys need to do that which edifies each other. They had probably sent him word about all kind of junk going on. You know, the ones that used to be Jews are saying we got to not eat pork and, you know, we got to keep all these days and all these pagans, you know, are going to the festivals and they're they're drinking all this stuff and they're doing all this stuff that, you know, and they say that it's okay to do and the Jews are saying, no, it's not okay to do and all this tension's going on, all this stuff's going on in the church and Paul's addressing that and he's saying, look, you do that which edifies one another. He says, I know in myself that there's nothing unclean in and of itself. Christ has made all things clean. Okay, But if there is a believer whose conscience tells him that it's unclean, then you have to live by your conscience. You cannot go against your God-given conscience. You cannot say, I'm going to do it anyway, even though I think it's unclean. If you think it's unclean, it's unclean for you. You understand? And if I, as a person who I wasn't raised that way and it's okay with me and I just don't see the big deal, I can't come and try to change you against your conscience. Because if I do that, I'm sinning against you and myself. Well, I have a question. If, what if the wine analogy that you gave, let's say you have a glass of wine at supper, like you were saying, and it's just you and your wife. Well... There's really nobody around, but somebody gets word that you were out with your glass of wine, and they come in and say that you know me finding out that you it bothers me. How do you, you know, that you just you know I'm sorry that my actions offended you, or is that I mean is that how you handle pretty that? much? Okay, pretty much. And I just wonder how you would handle that. That you know they might not have even been around, but they got word that you had a glass of wine. Hmm. Well. It says... You see, you see where I'm coming from? Because, I mean, let's face it. It will be brownstone. That happens all the time. Gets out. You know, that happens all the time. You know, you and I have had discussions where, unless you just live in your box of a house, 
everything that you do say or approach is going to get around. So, you know, you could. I could be having dinner with Curtis and he has a glass of wine or I do and it's just us, but it gets to Michelle that I did and that bothered her. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you, how do you handle that? Just, I'm sorry that what I did offended you. Yeah, pretty much. Because if what you do offends another, that's yours. That's yours. But if what she, you know, both of you have to work in love. Look what it says. Let me just answer your question by reading the text. That way there won't be no. It says, it says, for me, don't destroy the work of your brother. All things are pure. All things indeed are pure. But it is evil for that man who eats with offense, who believes it's evil. And so there, here's the principle, verse 21. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended, or is made weak. Okay, that's the principle. He says, do you have faith? Now you may say to me, but you know, I have faith in Christ and you know, I know Christ paid for it and I know it's okay. He says, has thou faith? It's not talking about saving faith. It's talking about the faith that we're talking about. It says, you have it to thyself before God. See what I mean? Happy is he that condemneth not in that thing which he allows. So that's answering your question. It's saying, it's saying it's good not, it's good, which means he's not just saying, you know, it's a good idea if you, it's saying, no, if you want to do not evil, you want to do good, it's good not to eat meat, not to drink wine, not to do anything that would cause offense to my brother. What, Billy? On uh, Adrian Rogers, on one of his pages, which was on his client phone, and the question that he had, a lot of people asked about it, and was brought up like the last supper, all of them sat around drinking wine. He said in the old language, in the old Bible, that it was wrote in there, new wine, no wine. And said, for some reason, when we got our version, they dropped the new wine and the old wine, like the throw up in there. I, I've never checked it, but that was one of his messages. So in other words, he was saying, back then, a lot of times they used new wine, saying they used wine because they didn't know what called the grape juice. Oh, you're saying end, it was just grape juice. The new wine it was not fermented and didn't have no, you know, alcohol Right. The only reason that I can't bite off into that is because Paul tells Timothy to take some wine for his stomach ailment. You know what I mean? And if it's just grape juice, it ain't really going to help his stomach ailment. That's the only. And the the word wine is is oikonos. And so I don't know. I mean, I could look into that and everything. But I think that uh, I don't know. I've heard that before, too. And there's another guy, MacArthur, says that the, the, the wine content, the alcohol content was so low just because water couldn't be stored. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in a refrigerator. You know, you so, so they would, they would, it's like, I think he says it's like eight parts water and then one part or something like that. So there's lots of questions that go along with that. And that's fine. I mean, either way. 
It, it doesn't make me any difference. The point of Paul's teaching here is if, if you think it's wrong, then it's wrong. If it causes somebody to stumble, then it's wrong. I don't care if we're talking about eating pork chops. If I'm out with a Jewish friend and he's going to see me as unclean, if I eat pork chops, then I'm going to abstain from pork chops. You see what I'm saying? So we don't even have to go down the road of, you know, those are good historical questions. A lot of people have those debates. But we're talking about anything. We're talking about the way that you dress. We're talking about the movies that you go see. We're talking about the, you know, we could, I mean, we're talking about life. He's talking about these things because this is what was facing the church. You got pagans and you got Jews. And they were all battling about this is wrong, this is right because of the way they were raised. And so anything, anything could fit into this category. Is it wrong for me to go see an R-rated movie? Is it wrong for me to, you know, I ain't talking about no, no, you know, I ain't talking about no, you know, you know what a bad movie, you know, we ain't talking about that. I'm just talking about, you know, like they could make Transformers or something R-rated. They could, you know, theoretically, or just some movie like, is it just because it says R on the, the thing, am I not supposed to, you know, or, or, you know, the, the, the Facebook thing is a good deal. You know, some people's like, that's from the devil. You know what I mean? My, uh, my, my grandmother, before she died, was, that's the devil. You know? Now, if you're on there looking at dirty pictures, you, you're going to hell, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, do you see what I'm saying, though? You see what I'm saying? If you, uh... You're saying everything's clean, but just like everything else, we touch it, we You screw it up, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is, in matters of conscience... You give each other, there is room at the cross for all of y'all, for every believer. Talking about believers now, I'm not talking about people who are not saved. He's, he made that distinction clear. We've already gotten through with the salvation part. For believers, listen, if, I, if a matter of conscience, I give room for Michelle to have her own conscience. And I don't offend her conscience. I don't come with her and say, Michelle, it is wrong to eat fried foods. Your body is a temple of God. And how can you dare eat McDonald's? Because it is so bad for you. You know what I mean? Uh, you, can't, you can't really do that. So you can't. Back to Jennifer's question then, if you're offending somebody's conscience, unless you did that in front of Michelle, it's just gossip, really. It, it could be. That's what I was getting at. You worded it a lot better than I did. That's what I was getting at. But, and that's why I say, do you just humble yourself and go, well, if I offended you and whatever you heard, I'm sorry. And just let it go with that. And then it's on them. <laughs> you know, you've apologized, you've met it in your heart, and then how they handle that's on them at that point. Right. And I think that would probably be the only viable option. Because if you, if, you, if you were to defend it and then Michelle went off and said, Jennifer said it was fine, so I'm just going to go, woo, you know, bang, that's your sin. And you have sin and you'll be accountable for it. See what I mean? So, so basically we're really looking too deep into it. Like I said, if you have that glass of wine or whatever it may be, and it's not offending your conscience, if somebody comes to you because they heard it, a hearsay or whatever. 
It does. It does. And I don't have all the answers. All I can do is read the passage to you. But you haven't really offended their conscience, I guess, if, if you're not persuading well, them. Well, not necessarily. Or, there's a lot of people, and I'll just use Jason because he's our Sunday school teacher, you know, youth pastor. A lot of people look up to Jason. And, you know, if, per se, you know, I hear that, and that, you know, because I look up to him, that really hurts me to think well, I thought this is the way that things were supposed to be, and because he didn't, he, he did do this, you know, that has messed with my mind, that has messed with my conscience. So I kind of see where, you know, it, even if it is hearsay, it can offend your conscience. Yeah. And if, if that happens... somebody higher than Christ. Christ is the only example. We could look. We could debate all day long. We could debate all day long. The point is that it's your conscience that dictates. Okay. So if you, I can't say I can't say what you should. What I'm saying is I can't say what you should do if X, Y, or Z happens. Because the whole point of this chapter is it's a matter of your conscience. Well, it's, it's like we had a family member at a birthday party pull out wine in front of my children. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was very offensive. You know, I was like, you know, if you're at a child's birthday party, that shouldn't be, you know. <laughs> right. Well, but to her, it was like, you know, it's not, it's not a sin to me to drink this wine. Well, to me, it was a sin because, first of all, we leave the party and my children are like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And I have to say, yes, it's a sin because to me it is, you know, because look at where that can lead you down the road if you continue to go. Yeah. And my child's wine could be the same as beer. Yeah. Therefore, so. And you also have to take in our culture as well. But I didn't. I told her, I said, you know, she has to answer for her. Right. How many, how many, how many lives has you know, alcoholism destroyed. Right. How many things, I mean, so but it, you, you have to take that into account as well. You know, in our culture, there's probably not too much good you could say about it, really. I mean, there's not too much redeeming qualities. Uh, but, you know, and it's the same with smoking, you know. Same with smoking. Same with, you know, if... If a person's conscience, you know, I, Charles Spurgeon is one of the best preachers ever lived. He preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Uh, he smoked these big cigars. You know, I'm talking about this dude. They, they were, they're still writing books about messages he preached, just power and stuff. Smoke these big old cigars. And this guy come up to him. I read this story once. He says, he says, uh, Dr. Spurgeon, he says, don't you think... It's a sin to smoke them cigars. And he says, he says, if I ever get where I'm overindulging, I'll quit. He said, what do you think overindulging is? He said, if I'm smoking two at a time. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, his conscience, you know, and he, you know, you know what I mean? It's the same. It's you could do it with smoking, drinking, eating, the clothes you wear, the kind of hairstyles you have. You know, if you go over to India somewhere, you know, dress like we dress, you will never be able to witness to nobody. See what I mean? Because they'll be like, "Who is this hoochie over here in my neighborhood?" You know what I mean? 
So what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it has to do. It has to do with. You obeying your conscience and you making sure that you're not hurting your witness before Christ. See what I mean? Also, just like Paul has said throughout Romans, is you know putting somebody else, putting yourself on the back burner, humbling yourself, and putting your brother before you, loving him above yourself. That's exactly what he's saying. And make sure you under, make sure you see if you go back and read this. He always talks about two different things. He talks about. Don't judge and then don't offend. Okay? So it seems like he's talking to both. You know, if if me and Dana have our disagreement about something, he's telling the one who says it's wrong, you know, there's no thou shalt not in scripture on this, so don't don't make it your own law. Don't make it your own rule. Don't judge this person in this matter of their conscience. In the same token, he's telling the person who says, you know, I, I know I'm free in Christ and it's okay. You know, I'm not sinning. I'm not overtly disobeying God's law. I'm not overtly disobeying and dishonoring Christ. It's telling me you can't just go flaunt your freedom in front of her. You can't just go run up on her and say, well, I know it's okay. Hey, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and it don't make no difference. And you just deal with it. Whatever. You can't do that either. Because if you exercise your freedom in Christ in front of her and it causes her to stumble against your conscience, bang, you just sinned. See what I mean? Y'all with me? Everybody with me? Hey, what what if it's your own son or something that's alcoholic? Doesn't matter. You you cannot... What he's talking about right here is two brothers in the faith. Brother and sister in the faith. It's talking about two believers and it's talking about matters of conscience. Not talking about drunkenness, which is clearly a sin in Scripture. Not talking about anything like that. We're talking about matters of conscience. Talking about things that are not forbidden, absolutely in Scripture, and they're not commanded, absolutely in Scripture. See what I mean? So once you get once you get to the line where we're talking about drunk and all, you, you done you done you done jumped out of this arena and you in a whole other arena. See what I mean? You talking about having a glass of this or whatever? Now we're talking about what Paul's talking about. You you talking about going beyond that? Then you've you know. You're, you're, you're off somewhere else into the, into the sin department. Okay? So. What about in Timothy where he gives the rules of the deacon and preacher? Not given to much wine? Well, that's for the deacon. Then the preacher is <laughs> Huh? But a lot of people always come up with things. Well, it didn't say nothing about the congregation. <laughs> it just gives that rules for the preachers and the deacon. Well, that's what the that's the whole point of what Paul's saying here. I can't give you a hard and fast rule. There is not one in Scripture, and if I come up with one, I'm making it up. Even though, for me, you know, I know, having used to been an alcoholic and a drug addict, you know, it, it's not good. It's not something I can't do, and so. The hard and fast rule is not, well, it's okay for the congregation because he don't say about the preacher and all. The hard and fast rule is you obey your conscience and you don't offend anybody else's conscience. Simple as that. That's the whole point of what Paul's saying. Because you don't really know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You may not know they're over there. 
and you'll step off. I mean, and you know, you know the culture that you live in. You know, and if you're over in Tibet somewhere at a restaurant, you probably you probably gonna be walking all over somebody's stuff in somewhere or another. But you you understand what reasonably he's talking about here. Well, you know? my conscience is gonna tell me before I go, don't pour the wine, regardless of who I know is there. Right. So it's God's gonna allow our conscience to lead us. That's right. 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 And that that I mean, it's easy to see with the wine thing, but what what I want to, wanted you to see is it, it also goes. It's, it's every part of your life. I mean, it's the way you know, it's the way that you dress. When I get onto some of these teenage girls, you know, and they're like, "Well, it don't say in the Bible I can't wear a miniskirt." You know what I mean? It's like, no, but it does say that you can't offend nobody else's conscience. You can't cause nobody to sin. You know, look at that little fourteen-year-old. His eyes been watering since you walked in. You know what I mean? I think you might be causing him to sin, I think. You know? And so or 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 the or the boy you know, the boys, you know, walking around and, and the way that they talk and the way that they show my mama used to always say, like, when I go to the I used to go like to the ball field, like the little league ball field, you know, and, and somebody hears you cussing, you know, and then that just they you know it who is his parents? His parents must not really have no, you know, they must not be good parents or whatever and everything, you know. So what it's talking about is how you live, how you act, what you do, where you go, the things that you, the things that you see, the things that you don't, you know, all kinds of things like that. See, so it's not just talking about oh, eating and drinking. That was the issue in Romans 14. For us, it's a lot, it's a lot bigger. You know, it's about, about what kind of music you listen to, what kind of things that you watch, what kind of clothes that you wear, what kind of places you go, what kind of, you know, it, it could be anything. You live by the dictates of your conscience where God's word is silent. Where God's word says, thou shalt not, then thou shalt not. If God's word says, this is what I want you to do, then that's what you should do. But in places where, you know, it doesn't really talk about... You know, doesn't really talk about spending the life eating fast food or smoking big cigars like Charles Spurgeon did or, you know. And so in those matters, you obey your conscience and you allow other people the freedom to obey theirs without offending their conscience. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Everybody understand? Any questions? What is there in the Thank you. 